0: Welcome to the Milk and Motherhood podcast, where we're having an ongoing conversation about breastfeeding, postpartum, parenthood, the challenges these can present, and the hope we have for overcoming them. I'm your host, Therese Dansby. I'm a registered nurse, international board-certified lactation consultant, and homeschooling mom of three. I believe that navigating the rough waters of early motherhood with wisdom, grace, and humility can grow each of us into the mothers we long to be. so welcome.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Could you introduce yourself to everyone? Sure. I am Peyton. You might have seen me on Instagram as Pay. That's kind of like my nickname, but I am a cop wife. I am a mother of three boys and I run my own business, Loving Health LLC. I kind of have a lot of letters, <laughs> but like nurse, certified nutritionist, functional medicine certified health coach and restorative wellness practitioner, kind of always adding to my alphabet behind my name, (laughs) but that's just a little quick blurb.
0: Yeah, I love that. I'm excited to talk with you today because I feel like we have maybe similar backgrounds and Mm -hmm. kind of just a similar stance on just life and wellness and all of the noise that's out there. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited Mm -hmm. to dive into it a little, a little first, could you share with us what early motherhood and breastfeeding have looked like for you? How old are your boys now?
1: Yeah. So my boys are six, four and about to be two years old. Wow. Yeah. So we're kind of still in the thick of like baby raising, like young, young kids and that like lack of sleep and, mm-hmm. and trying to figure out life and motherhood. But Something that I wanted to bring up specifically about breastfeeding where it's kind of twofold. One, I was kind of under the impression that almost everybody struggles with keeping up supply. Like all of my friends were like warning me, all right, you really need to make sure you're adding a lot of like lactation cookies and oats and high fat foods to make sure you keep your supply up. And then my first son was born. And I was actually an oversupplier. So Mm -hmm. I'm three for three on being an oversupplier. And originally I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like, (laughs) And I didn't want to talk about it with a lot Mm -hmm. of my friends because so many of my friends were undersuppliers or made just enough. And so I actually kind of felt bad whenever I did feel comfortable bringing up the like issues that come with an oversupply because if everyone was always like, Oh, I wish I had that problem. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. actually, I don't think you do. It's really annoying. Like I'm always leaking. I am always in pain if I can't nurse, like when I need to. And in the beginning, everyone tells you feed and then pump feed and then pump because it's going to increase your supply. And so I did that But Mm -hmm. I actually got to the point where I was having to pump or nurse like every half hour to hour or I was overfilling and going to pain, and And then I, so I quickly realized I don't need to pump. (laughs) This is making my problem worse. And so I feel like that's, I've met a few other moms now along the way as I've been in this motherhood thing for six years and been an oversupplier each time that are oversuppliers and it is an actual issue. But I feel like we we feel like we can't talk about how to manage being an oversupplier because everyone just always go like, oh, I wish I had that problem, you know, and because so many women struggle to be just... Normal suppliers, I guess. So that was surprising to me. I'd never actually heard of someone oversupplying. So, just so you know, ladies, it (laughs) is an actual thing. You can be an oversupplier and you might not need to pump, it could make your problems worse. Another thing that I thought was like everyone has dealt with this was mastitis. So, just Mm -hmm. know you might not deal with it. I've never, even being an oversupplier, praise the Lord have never had mastitis. Don't think that that's just a normal part of breastfeeding because it might not be for you, which is a, you know, a very, very gracious gift from the Lord to not have to deal with something like that. But I kind of was like scared into, you're going to, you know, make sure you know what to do when this happens. Like, but that's not true. It might not actually happen. And then as far as like motherhood, the one thing that I always like to encourage mothers with is, for some reason, going from one to two children was the hardest jump for me. Going from zero to one wasn't, it wasn't really, you know, crazy hard. I mean, sure, like it's a new thing being a mother and having a child, but having one child is, it is a lot to learn. It's a big learning curve, but but one to two was the hardest for me because it was the first time I really had to learn how to, um, how do I say it? I guess, graciously ignore one (laughs) child so that I could meet the immediate needs of another child. When it was just my one child, I definitely am not the type of mother that my world revolves around my children. Like, I love them. They are definitely a high priority in my life, obviously, but I tried to teach them, like, the world does not revolve around you. You are not the center of the universe, you know? That's very important to me that they learn that. You know, humility and things like that and being able to be patient because, again, the world doesn't revolve around you. So it's not like, you know, my one child, But, but I didn't really have any reasons oftentimes to need to ignore his needs or his wants because he was my only child, you know, I didn't. And I lived in a small townhouse like there really wasn't a lot for me to be doing other than paying attention to him and his needs while I was at home. And so I never really had to be in that situation until my second son was born. And that was the first time I had so many moments where I just broke down crying because they were both crying. They both needed something. And I had to stop and figure out which one was the highest priority, which one was the highest need, ignore the one crying that didn't have the highest need, go to the one that did, you know, and, and learn how to, like I said, graciously ignore one child to serve the other child and then go back and, you know, serve. So that, so that was definitely one of the hardest lessons of motherhood. And then when I went from two to three, I was kind of like, all right, I've already practiced now this whole concept (laughs) of graciously ignoring one child. Mm -hmm. And then I have two children now to entertain each other while I take care of the one and then go back to the other, you know, so it was a little bit easier. Now my third child has been quite the wild card, so mm-hmm. yes. that has been difficult. But as far as early motherhood, I would say just just to be prepared. I never ever say that to try to discourage mothers from having more children by any means, but just to prepare yourself that you know it is okay and it is necessary to teach your children from the start that they're not the center of the universe because at some point in time in their sweet little lives, there will be a time when you do need to graciously ignore them to meet the needs of something or someone else. And it's 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 a good lesson to learn, especially now I feel like, especially with this gentle parenting movement, which I know can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, Mm -hmm. but I feel like we're kind of taking... The role of the parent away almost with that and teaching children like that literally the universe does revolve around them their emotions their feelings we can sit there and talk for two hours about everything going on in their sweet little heads and it's just like that's that's I personally do not agree with that and that children should not be the center of the universe and control our time and things like that so I feel like Mm -hmm. that was the biggest thing I always try to tell people
0: (laughs) I love it I always appreciate my guests being willing to share so much it's like my very first question and it's not even the point Mm -hmm. of the podcast not 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 the point of the podcast it's my first question, and it's a lot. It's very vulnerable, yes. and I'm like, let's talk about this, and then dive into other stuff. But yeah. <laughs> but let's I just love get it. down and
1: dirty, real quick. Yeah,
0: and that's me. That's why I have a podcast because yes. I can't do small talk, and I just want to yes. talk about like the real thing. <laughs> like let's <laughs> talk about this. So a few things I jotted down. One, I don't know if you're familiar with a lot of Charlotte Mason's work in your homeschool, mm-hmm. but she has a term for what you're talking about, and now I'm trying to remember what it is. It might be like masterly inactivity or something it is a term basically what you're saying graciously ignoring your child
1: (laughs) i'm familiar with charlotte mason but to be totally honest actually on my list to read some more like some of like elizabeth elliott's work and charlotte mason type homeschooling work i am just now hitting that time frame where my six-year-old we can maybe do five to 10 minutes of handwriting and practicing reading before he's like, okay, let's just go outside. And we have a homestead as well. So there's lots of things for us to do mm-hmm. outside, which is where my boys thrive. And so having, it was a very, very kind of unlearning and relearning cool experience for me. Yes. To really just disassociate our family from the typical school model because that's somewhere somewhere where I feel like I made a mistake and a lot of I see a lot of people making mistakes with homeschooling, thinking, oh, I'm gonna homeschool. My husband was homeschooled his whole life. Mm. I have never been homeschooled. And so I it was all new to me. And so I assumed we would do something like wake up at 8 a.m. and have our, <laughs> you know, ABCs one, two, threes, have, have a snack. Have have a nap and then go back to you know, like a normal kindergarten and pre K, because mm-hmm. that's the age range I'm in right now. And it has not been that at all, whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So just letting go. And I feel like that relates to motherhood so much, yes. too, just letting go of expectations. Honestly, you're better off if you have no expectations so yeah. that you can just build as you go and do what works for your child, whether that be in. Um, Even in discipline, it's very different from child to child. My oldest is a very typical textbook oldest child. He wants to obey every rule. He wants to make sure his brothers are obeying all the rules. He kind of almost punishes himself if he messes up, which that's something Mm -hmm. we're working on and and having grace with ourselves. And like, hey, you're allowed to make mistakes. It's okay. So he's very much my my husband, and I are both firstborns, Mm -hmm. and we have those very strong personalities of not liking to make mistakes. And we definitely like kind of you know just got down on ourselves a lot anytime we would make mistakes. And we see that in him. So like we have figured out we cannot like punish him very much because he already punishes himself mm-hmm. so he needs a lot of talking through things and allowing giving him space to actually process through making a mistake how can we learn from that and what can we do better next time and you know then there are times when he ne- he needs to hear the boundaries again because he did purposefully break a rule or disobey Whereas my middle child, <laughs> sweet, sweet boy, is he not only marches to the beat of his own drum, he does it in his underwear, created the drum, <laughs> creates his own beat, creates his own march, marches backwards. Like he mm-hmm. is, I have to remind myself, he's going to be a world changer. He's going to be a world changer because he's like a very passionate child, very like quick you can you actually we do need to discipline him because there is no talking to him like Mm -hmm. at this age he's four and from about two years old to now there is there is no talking with him he is so quick and like his a thought pops in his head and he acts like that is it and so having expectations like i'm going to mother this way and my children will just fall in line mm-hmm. and be obedient it'll be great like no every single child is different and you have just like homeschooling just like you know everything you have to cater how you're going to raise each child to how each child learns how each child already handles themselves as far as like you know rules and or, or like my middle child, no rules apply to him apparently. So anyways, that was a bit of a tangent, but I feel like it's all very cohesive, which has been pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I would agree that I feel like motherhood and homeschooling and breastfeeding, like mm-hmm. all of them overlap for me in mm-hmm kind of reinforcing the different lessons over and over again in different realms. I'm like, okay, I need to pay attention to this one. Like this keeps coming up in all areas <laughs> right. of my life. So and that's I was going to ask about your kids' personalities because my experience and I love talking about this with friends because it's different for everybody. My first kid rocked my world. And then my mm. third, my second, I was like, I'm good. Like I've got <laughs> I've got it down. Like I am doing so good at this transition. And the other two were horrible for me, but hmm. there's there are personalities at play because my oldest sounds a lot like your second.
1: Oh, interesting. And
0: and my first and third are like little twins that are eight <laughs> years apart. <laughs> yeah, there is just there's no way to plan that, and no, just because <laughs> you're you know your one friend is like rocking it with the one kid, and you're like, why is this so hard with one kid? And yeah. Then, yeah, it is good to realize that it's just different. And it sounds yeah. stupid because we know it's different, but like you, I tend to be hard on myself also, also mm-hmm. an oldest child. And it's like, oh, what am I doing differently? But there are so many variables. Right.
1: We can't compare ourselves to our mom friends. Right. Exactly. And it, and it is cool though, to see that even if our oldest children are different, I still have a child that is similar to your child. Yes. Um, You know, so we can still have those Um, commonalities, those similarities. It just may be, you know, different kids or uh, similar experiences, you know, but it just might have been at a different time. So it's very, it's very cool to meet really any other moms with same and different experiences because we can learn so much from what did you do that worked? Because I feel like our children are the same, but something's not jiving with me and my kid, but you seem to be rocking it in that area. So, you know, just always being open-minded with everything. Right. And I feel like in the health and wellness space, that's important too. just being open-minded. That's what I try to, to be for my clients, not only for myself and my family, but also for my clients, because sometimes my clients bring me some information that I've never heard before in the health and wellness space. And then I'm like, huh, well, let me go look into that. And like, let's, you know, because a lot of times I consider myself a researcher for them, right? Do I know everything? No. And do I consider myself expert enough in like nutrition, in different alternative healing modalities to help people? Yes. I I do have to be at some kind of expert level in order to help other people. But am I the expert that never needs to learn anything else and no patient or client can ever teach me anything? No, you know, absolutely not. I actually think that if you have a practitioner like that, then you need to run and go find someone else because that is a very dangerous practitioner is as like someone who feels like they can never learn something new. Same thing in motherhood, same thing in homeschooling. I feel like we're always learning and we always need to be willing to be in that humble place of being willing to learn, being willing to be wrong. I have a post on Instagram actually about how humility and confidence mm, do yes. are not mutually exclusive. you know? Mm-hmm. Like you can still be a humble practitioner, a humble mother, a humble wife, a humble just woman in general, and still be a confident woman, confident in you know what you know, but you also know what you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And you could be confident in that and just that, just having that willingness to always learn. And that's something I also want to impart on my children, you know, in that, hey, we're always learning. You know, you can always ask me questions, but I am very honest with my children. I do not know the answer to that. But hey, we have a library. Let's go look. We have, we're, you know, we've been blessed with computers. Like I'm not one of those people that hates on technology and wishes we were back in caves with fire to cook with. Like, no, like I appreciate having access to the computer to just go look something up and learn anyway. So just that willingness, I guess, to learn and always know that there are things that you don't know (laughs) and that's okay. Yes. And
0: I would always tell nursing students who are oriented Mm -hmm. with me, like the day that you stop asking questions is the Mm -hmm. day that you become a really dangerous provider. Yeah. The day you think you know everything. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So have you heard of the dunning Kruger effect? I think that's what it's called. I might have. I don't know about like. It's talking about competence and competence. So Mm. and I think that maybe some of the graphs that you see when you Google it have maybe misrepresented the actual study. But Mm. the essence of it is that when you start out at something Potentially, you are very competent, confident, but your competence is low. Mm-hmm. And then, as time goes by, your competence goes up, but your—I don't want to say your confidence goes down, but but you realize you don't know
1: everything, right? Well, but you're actually first... more
0: competent that way.
1: Yes. Well, for some people, I do feel like the confidence goes down sometimes. Like mm-hmm. in in business, what I have seen, especially in the health and wellness space, I do feel like there is a period of time when you are transitioning where your competence is going up and your confidence goes down and we have the imposter syndrome of like mm. oh my gosh i really don't know as much as i thought i did and why do people even want to pay me to help them like how can i even help them like what i feel like everybody at some point reaches that imposter syndrome phase and then and then hopefully hopefully most people get through that Phase and they have the, this newfound competence and confidence of, hey, mm-hmm. I do know some stuff. Like I know enough to help people, but. I also, you know, there's lots I don't know, and that's okay. And no, people know that they know I'm a human with a human mind that Mm -hmm. cannot possibly know everything. And then, you know, you have some people that get stuck in that imposter syndrome phase, and those are the people whose businesses get shut down, fail, they stop, you know, whatever, because it just gets to be too much. And so there is that definitely that balance, I guess, of that confidence, that humility, and that always willingness to learn.
0: Yes. Yes. I love it. Sorry. I have an, an interrupter. Do you want to say hello? Okay. That's okay. My, th- my first and third kids are also horrible sleepers and they, oh, my third is finally, I mean, he's 17 months old and he's finally on like somewhat of a consistent nap schedule. So I'm back to having the big kids do rest time.
1: That's what husband's yes. currently doing. Yes.
0: Same. It's like anyone out there whose kids are still napping, like if you are home with your kids transition to quiet time it is one of the best pieces of advice I got yeah oh I it's and it's for me I need quiet time
1: yes that's one reason I'm very excited for my kids to start reading at some point right because then they can be entertained if they don't want to nap that's fine yes you don't have to you don't have to sleep but we need to rest we need to take a time to reset decompress and get ready to finish out our day and you know I'm excited for them so so like hey read one chapter of your book you know like when they get to that point my six-year-old is very close to getting to that point and so then he can read to his younger brother and you know Mm -hmm. things like that so we uh, quiet time is so important I think I've always had it because my oldest is very much me as a kid and loves Mm -hmm. his sleep so he's he's six and he will still nap once or twice a week during quiet time and so he just stopped napping consistently at five he was still napping almost every day at five and so I kind of just always had quiet time I think because he's just always napped Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, that's awesome yeah I am very thankful
0: (laughs) yeah and I mean even this conversation it's like these are the conversations that you have with your friend instead of getting Mm -hmm. down on yourself I mean my oldest stopped napping when he was two and a half like there's gonna be a little bit of chaos involved in that you know and it, right. it's not a reflection on parenting or mm-hmm. on your child at all it's just like we say motherhood is hard but I would encourage people to not be afraid to ask what that means for any given person you know mm-hmm. right because I think it will make you feel less alone
1: mm-hmm Yeah. Well, and then like, for me, my oldest child was pretty relatively easy, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and then my middle child, I knew he had a tongue tie, but when we lived in Delaware, we didn't really have resources as far as experts and practitioners to assess a tongue tie, but he vomited, like not just spit Mm -hmm. up, like vomited after every single feed. I was like a ball of nerves every time I nursed him because I knew Vomit was coming. Like mm-hmm. I just was, you know, prepared. He, <laughs> an oversupply and an oversupply <laughs> plus vomiting. Bad it, combination, was a, it was yeah. a disaster. And then he didn't sleep well. He always was very, very tense and taut and, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. And so, but we didn't, we weren't able to get help with that because I kept telling practitioner, like doctor after chiropractor after like, he, there's something wrong and it's a tongue tie. I know it is. Then we move here. And I get him assessed and they're like, oh yeah, it's just very posterior. So it's easy to miss. And I'm like, I knew it. And they're like, yeah. but it's very tight, you know? So yeah. anyways, and so that made me like, you know, that was very hard as a mom, like, especially to go mm-hmm. from like, okay, I can totally do this thing. Yeah. Let's throw one more in the mm-hmm. mix. And then I'm like, what did we do? <laughs> yeah. And mm-hmm. then we have my third and it started out like my first, like, oh, okay, this isn't going to be so bad. And then it just spiraled <laughs> snowball yeah. down the hill real fast cool. and not him by any means it's just mm-hmm. the circumstances yeah the situation yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah oh yeah so you've had a wild ride and you do share a little bit about that story on Instagram with
1: him and mm-hmm. I have a whole highlight on Instagram yeah. I refer people to it's called tongue tie feeding issues. And that's all about my third, because I am, I'm, I shouldn't say I'm very passionate about tongue tie stuff, but mm-hmm. I am passionate about people just not being revision happy and just mm-hmm. go and get everything clipped and snipped and lasered. And definitely thinking through things, I'm very passionate as far as in the tongue-tie area, what kind of laser is being used. Cause that was a mistake that I did not mm. know the laser that was used on my son is a hot, was a hot laser. Yeah. And that was kind of part of why it was so traumatic for him. But again, mm. I was not made aware that that was a thing that there were cold CO2 layers lasers, that there's some kind of water therapy. There's some, like there's different ways of, There's different lasers out there that can be Mm -hmm. more gentle on the tissue, whereas this hot laser that was used is very hard on the tissue. So again, I was not made aware of that. I didn't know that. And I didn't think I had to research different lasers. Mm -hmm. You know, I just thought I was doing my best by trying Mm -hmm. to do myofunctional and craniosacral therapy first, Mm -hmm. um, seeing if we could resolve the issue without revision, did that for several, like for a couple months, realized we're not going to make the progress we wanted to, that a revision was probably necessary, but then I'm also that type of person. I worked in the pediatric ER as a nurse and I saw a lot of things happen where the doctors said one thing to the parents, the parents left the room so the doctors mm-hmm. could do the procedure and other things were done that the parents did not consent to. So I was kind of traumatized mm-hmm. by that, seeing that as a nurse. And so I needed to be back in the room with when they did the revision for on my son. And it mm-hmm. took me a long time to find a practitioner that would allow me back mm-hmm. in the room. And unfortunately, the practitioner that we chose is is, was not great. And Mm -hmm. but I didn't know that at the time. So all that to say, the tongue tie revision with that hot laser resulted in oral trauma, result which resulted in oral aversion, which has now sent us on this whole journey of feeding issues with my son. He actually it was a behavioral issue in that he chose not to put things in his mouth because he had this oral trauma uh, mm-hmm. from the whole, it was the worst 72 hours after the revision of my life of his little mm-hmm. life. And now he is almost two years old and he just started swallowing foods in January around 18 months old. So I've been breastfeeding him much longer than my other kids, yeah, my other exclusively. kids. exclusively. Yeah. Yes. Yes. My other yeah. kids. So I've been basically sleeping wise on a newborn schedule for about two years, almost two years. (laughs) And so, but my other two self weaned around 17, 18 months. Like they just Mm -hmm. kind of over a week Mm -hmm. decided they were done and we slowly weaned. And like, when people ask me, like, how do I start weaning? I'm like, to be totally honest, I don't know (laughs) because (laughs) my kids kind of did it themselves, um, Mm -hmm. except for this third one, you know? So that's also like a life lesson in that just because you have, you know, one, two, three, four children every child is going to be different. So um, every level of motherhood as you add a child is going to be a different experience. And, you know, you don't know what you don't know until you're loving it. So there's always going to be something that you're going to run into that you don't know what to do. And that's okay. That's totally normal as far as motherhood and honestly life, but motherhood goes. Mm -hmm. So anyways, all that to say, we have our next appointment, GI appointment on next Thursday, which we are hoping and praying is the last GI appointment because to avoid a G-tube, that's how severe it got that he almost needed a G tube because he was so not even just underweight in January. I would have told you, yes, he is malnourished and he needs Mm -hmm. a G tube Mm -hmm. because that's where we were at. But now I am so grateful. Like he has just grown in all areas so exponentially and he is totally a normal two-year-old at this point and doing really really well so we're very grateful so but yeah wild ride and I get a lot of questions about yes. what's, your, what's your littlest yeah. man
0: <laughs> yeah and I do just want to say that you have not been my client but just from what you've shared I think that that might be the worst time tie story I've ever seen yep
1: so, we are yeah we're the first <laughs> We are the first yes. and the worst for a lot of people. Like, wow, yeah. I've never seen a case like this. Yes, I'm fully yeah. aware of that. Yes. No one has so. seen a case like ours. Thank <laughs> you yeah. for yeah. isolating me even more than yes. like what I already felt. You know? uh, um, and I just,
0: so I just want to encourage people listening. Like this is probably the worst case scenario. Right, and right.
1: but we survived it. We have gotten yeah, through it. Like, yeah. I hope that that's a testament to people. Like, yes, this is, I never, ever, ever, want people to hear our story and think this is the mm-hmm. common this is the normal yeah. this is what's going to happen if you get a tongue tire vision that is that is not the case I am fully mm-hmm. aware that this, now we're not the only ones where yeah. we live that this has happened to because this oh, dentist because is still this dentist mm-hmm. is still operating Shoot. normally with this laser even though he's been reported multiple mm-hmm. times because he has like I shouldn't say ruined many children's, but, well, but like, yeah. you know, a lot of kids in this area have nervous system dysregulation because they are sent into this heightened yeah. sympathetic nervous system state with all mm-hmm. of this pain and trauma that is laser is causing. And, you know, there's a support group of, of us moms trying to oh, do something yeah. about cool. it because it's yeah. it's not okay. But all that to say, I never want to share my story and tell people, so you should never get a tongue tie revision. I do not believe that at all. I actually just had my own consultation on Tuesday to work with my, with myofunctional therapy, with an oral Mm -hmm. device to expand my palate. A phrenectomy might be in my future, Mm -hmm. but with this oral appliance and doing myofunctional therapy, I actually might be able to avoid a revision altogether. My Mm -hmm. older two are going to do the same process at some point, you know, and they may or may not need a phrenectomy. We don't, you know, Mm -hmm. a, just going into it with understanding that a tongue tie revision does not solve all the problems yes like alone mm-hmm. and that not every single person with a tongue tie actually needs a revision and also don't make decisions based on fear so when i share yeah, my story my hard. goal is not to put people into you know a fearful thought process or situation or fearful mindset thinking oh that could happen to me like no Mm -hmm. like I mean sure anything can happen I guess but like Mm -hmm. we're not it's not super common to have the story that we have even if this becomes part of your story which I hope it doesn't but even if it does we are we're coming out of it Mm -hmm. like we have survived Mm -hmm. it it has been horrible but the bible teaches us count it all joy right when we go through trials and that's something that we, my husband and I have definitely learned going through this is that why did, why did God allow us to go through this? Like, Mm -hmm. what are we supposed to be learning? And so we've learned a lot of lessons by using that kind of perspective, that mindset and kind of just welcoming trials. Not that we're like, yes, Lord, bring on the negative (laughs) experiences, Mm -hmm. but like just trying to take that perspective of like, nope. There's a reason we are allowed to go through this. Does God look at us and be like, they need to be going through a negative experience right now. Let me just zap, you know, and Mm -hmm. make something horrible happen. Like, no, but things do are allowed to happen in our lives for different reasons. Right. Mm -hmm. We look at Job. I mean, that's a horrible life, lots of horrible life circumstances, but how can we, you know, worship God through holy reactions Through these different circumstances, how can we grow closer to him? How can we learn more about him and and about ourselves in light of him as we go through these different trials throughout life? Because, I mean, the last two years have been hard, really, especially the last year, year and a half have been really hard. Not only did we have the feeding issues with my son, we had a lot of issues with my husband's job. He's a police officer, as I said, and our, the mayor in our city decided mm-hmm. to hire an entire team of lawyers to fight the police department in their pay. So my, we went through a very, very hard financial time of like, okay, what do we do now? And then on top of that in December, after I had been like, we're done, no more children, because Mm -hmm. that was at the height of the emotional stress, the lack of sleep, like Mm -hmm. tears being shed every day by me, because it was just all so overwhelming Mm -hmm. uh, with my youngest son and my husband's job and the financial stress and a couple other things. And then to find out shockingly, I literally didn't think I could get pregnant because I was so stressed. Well, my body proved me wrong and I somehow (laughs) ended up pregnant um, and then very, very, very quickly afterwards realized it was a missed miscarriage. So then becoming the one in four women who struggle through miscarriage, especially as a healthcare practitioner who helps people with fertility, that was a very humbling experience, right? But also a good experience for other women saying, Hey, even people, even a woman who knows about hormones, who knows about health stuff, who knows how to get pregnant, how to have healthy pregnancies, how to have healthy deliveries. Like you can know all the things you can be doing all the right things and things can still happen. You know, Mm -hmm. like I had zero interest in searching for an answer of how, like how I even got pregnant like how, like <laughs> and through all that stress and why it ended the way it did I mm-hmm. didn't want to you know because I definitely believe there is a huge emotional piece to our health that a lot of people especially a lot of Christians like to ignore but our emotions really can catalyze catalyze I always want to say that word that's not correct <laughs> can really start jump start a lot of physical you know mm-hmm. issues and I the moment I Got the positive pregnancy test, I fell on the floor and sobbed because Mm -hmm. I was like, Mm -hmm. I was almost like, Lord, why? I know every child is a blessing. I am so grateful that my body can even get pregnant. Like, thank you, Lord. But at the same time, why right now? Like, when I am in the depths of the trenches, Mm -hmm. that like right now, like, why? And, and then to even go on, my body didn't naturally miscarry. I let, I tried to have a natural miscarriage for almost four weeks and Mm. bled for almost Mm. four weeks straight with multiple hemorrhages in there and ended up having to have a DNC. So then that's another layer of it, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm a nutritionist whose child doesn't eat food. I am a healthcare practitioner who had a miscarriage. And then on top of that, I'm like a crunchy, holistic person who had to have a surgical procedure because my body didn't naturally miscarry. Like, you know, so many humbling experiences. But at the same time, I hope people look at parts of my story and see one, how can I glorify God with a holy reaction to all of these things? Right. But two, I have been through things that a lot of my clients go through. And now Mm -hmm. I have an even greater appreciation for the emotions that come into play with that. But also like I was saying that just because I know a lot of things about health doesn't mean things can't happen to me. Mm -hmm. And I hope that that keeps health in perspective, right? Because I feel like so many people, including myself, I had a lot of orthorexic tendencies when I first started in the health and wellness space, when my first son was born um, Mm -hmm. to where, to the point of caring so much about health and what's going in on, on my body to the point of stressing myself out over health. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that's where a lot of people are in the health and wellness space. And it's just like, their stress is going to kill you faster than your bath and body works lotion. (laughs) Like, you know, like let's, Stop stressing so much over health, so much over how you're going to homeschool, so much over how you're going to discipline this child or train your children up, you know, in the righteousness of the Lord, like just, just don't stress so much over it because there are things that you can control, like what lotion you use or Mm -hmm. what food you eat or don't eat. But then there are so many more things that you can't control. And the moment you release that and just accept that truth, I feel like is one of the most freeing moments of like anybody's life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this, and this is the work of a lifetime, right? Like right. trauma recovery. And <laughs> even, and you said like a holy reaction to these kind of things, but even, I think it's more even a holy response. So, like, your right. first reaction, you're not even in charge of your reactions, right? You, you see mm-hmm. the positive pregnancy test, you're crying. That makes total sense. <laughs> right. uh, I had a loss right. like that between my first and second and same, was not trying to get pregnant, got mm-hmm. pregnant, cried. Like, right. and that's a reaction. We're not in charge of those reactions. But then when we we step back and how we respond to it is you're right, what's in our control. So I don't want somebody to be listening to this and be fearful about <laughs> You know, these things because, oh my gosh, if this person knows all these things and it still happens to them, I I would hope that what somebody can get out of it is that, like you're saying, this is freeing. Yeah. There is, because I even had some of that shame with my third, like stupid stuff. I could not have, you know, I had a totally physiological, undisturbed birth. Nobody touched me, no IV, no medications, and I hemorrhaged. You know, it's like, why? Yeah. Or w- why did my kid have all these food allergies? Why, you know, mm-hmm. it, and there is maybe an extra level of shame as a practitioner when you're like, right. I somehow know better and now I'm just confused. And so yeah. I do, I, I don't want that to scare somebody listening, but I hope that it frees them from the shame of thinking that I should have known better because we all do that. We have all done that with our kids. I should have known better because we just want the best for them.
1: Right. Right. And, we look and, back I actually,
0: and we're like, if I knew then, what I know now. And it's like, but you don't because you right. only have grace for that day.
1: <laughs> yes. And I actually truly appreciate you correcting that word. I'm not even kidding. Well, yeah. I completely <laughs> thought I was saying response. <laughs> Every time I was saying yeah. reaction, I was meaning to say, holy response. I the think only time very yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. You know
0: what? And I'm with you because also my child, is at multiple times a night and yes. we're almost at 18 Our brains, old.
1: So, I mean, yeah. my, my brain, sometimes I'm literally in my head saying something, but there are other words coming out and yeah. I feel bad for some people who talk to me right now. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. I don't ever know what you're going to get. Real. Yes. I know. yes, it is.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so you, you've been through so much professionally, personally, parenthood. Mm-hmm. And now you're walking with other mothers. So you worked Mm -hmm. in the pediatric ER. Yeah. It sounds like you left when your oldest was born.
1: I actually left when my second was six months old. So I still worked night shifts. That okay. was that woof. That was a stressful time having two mm. parents that do shift work, so a cop and a yeah. nurse, and we were literally high-fiving each other out the door like I'd yeah. come home from a night shift and then maybe a couple hours later he would go off to his swing shift or his day shift or whatever. And so it, we there was sleep was not a thing. Um, just high stress because we both had stressful jobs, right? Like mm-hmm. a cop, that's a very stressful job. Pediatric ER, I did work in the PICU for a little bit as well. So the pediatric mm-hmm. ICU. Yeah. You know, and it's still obviously all the it's all traumatic, right? But like mm-hmm. so walking alongside families in those situations. So we were both like traumatized in different ways. And I literally mm-hmm. use that term and mean that term. Yeah. And then having children on top of that. So when my oldest was born though, is when I started really, I kind of always grew up knowing about alternative health. My youngest, my youngest brother has autism. And so when he was diagnosed, he was around two years old. I was about seven at that time, six, seven years old. And so that cat catapulted my parents into kind of more alternative health space. And so I grew up, mostly understanding vitamins and nutrients and there are other ways to do things besides just what the doctor prescribes you and you know that doesn't mean that we didn't ever have conventional treatment it's just that I always kind of knew there were other thought processes out there so when I went to nursing school I went with a very open mind and understanding that well all that to say that when I was pregnant with my first that's when the orthorexic tendencies Mm -hmm. started to come because I realized okay at this point I've been trying to make like healthier decisions for myself for my husband you know as I made the meals and stuff like that but like now my decisions directly impact someone else's not only their Mm -hmm. life but the trajectory of their life and like the start of their life and that was a very big thought and so I kind of got thrown into just really stressing over every little thing food, products, you know, what baby did or didn't do or was allowed to see or not see or touch or not touch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to the point where my husband sat me down, I think my firstborn was like six or seven months at this point. He sat me down and he was looking at me across the kitchen table and said, Peyton. I love you and I am watching you waste away mm-hmm. because I was going through whole 30 and then I was like, no, that's not good enough. Vegetarian, <laughs> vegan, plant-based, mm-hmm. plant-based whole 30, plant-based paleo. I was eating grass basically by the end of it, grass and dirt, like were my meals, You know? <laughs> like not mm-hmm. really, but like, that's basically like my list of foods yeah. that I thought were quote unquote safe was shorter than the mm-hmm. list of foods that I didn't eat. Uh, And so he was like, I'm watching you literally waste away and no thing that you think is healthy is healthier Mm -hmm. than you not wasting away, (laughs) you know, because of the stress, because of the worry over every little thing that, oh, now whatever I'm ingesting is going into my breast milk, which is going to feed my Mm -hmm. child. And so anyway, that was the biggest wake up call for me to be like, okay, The risk of the stress is outweighing the benefits of a quote unquote healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of swung the other way for a little bit of like, you know what? who cares then? Like, you know, no stress whatsoever, you (laughs) know, and then kind of came back. I feel like all of us have that pendulum, Mm -hmm. right? We like swing really, really extreme one way towards health. And then we sometimes extreme the other way. And then we come kind kind of come back to the middle ground. And I feel like I've been growing more and more in that middle ground, like being in this health space as a mom, as a woman, and then now as a practitioner. So that is when I started looking into how can I kind of get out of the hospital? Hospital, not as a patient, as a nurse and into health and wellness preventative medicine. And I just kind of like was podunking around with it, you know, not really taking anything seriously, being like there's nothing really that I can do outside of the hospital, right? In nursing school like that's what you're taught like you either work in a pediatrician's mm-hmm. like or a doctor's office or the hospital. And but at in the ER, I was in triage at one point. So as people come into the ER, I was assessing where they were at and then what acuity they would be and where they would go in the ER. And this 11-year-old girl came with her grandma. She got on the scale because at triage, you know, you ask all the questions, get the weight, get the vital signs, whatever. I got her weight. Her grandma goes, how much does she weigh? I said, X number of kilograms. I said, that's X number of pounds. Grandmother Mm -hmm. goes, wow, you're fat.
0: Mm -hmm. To the little
1: girl. I thought that was horrible, obviously. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, but it got worse. The 11 year old whips around and goes, it's fine. They got a pill for that. <laughs> I died in that moment. I had to leave. Like I, <laughs> I was like, okay, so not only number one, this grandmother should not have said that, obviously that's the whole issue in and of itself. But the fact that this at 11 years old thinks that her obesity, that she thinks that some kind of just taking a pill uh-huh. is going to fix that. Like, I was like, I can't, I can't, I have to be on the other side of these ER doors Mm -hmm. instead of trapped in this system, just slinging Motrin and Tylenol wishing I wasn't, you know, Mm -hmm. and again is there a time and place for emergency medicine? Am I oh so grateful for emergency medicine? Absolutely. You know, but that was my moment to be like, okay, Peyton, like there has to be something out there. So then I found Functional Medicine Coaching Academy, which is associated with Institute of Functional Medicine. Started there. It was a great year long program. So I then started as a functional medicine certified health coach. I made the transition from ER nurse to full-time functional, well, full-time mother Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. trying to start a health coaching business when my Mm -hmm. second was around six months old and then slowly have grown from there. And like I said, keep adding letters and certifications. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of a long trail story. Yeah.
0: Well, that's, I mean, that's what happens as we get older. That's
1: right. My career story used to be very
0: short. I went to nursing right. school, and then I became a NICU nurse, and then that's what I did. And yeah, <laughs> the, the the first eight years were simple, and the second eight years it's a long story. So right, right. So so what are you doing now? You're working with moms. You do nutritional coaching. You do yeah, testing. So
1: right now, I'm I just for ease call myself a family nutritionist because I do mm-hmm. work with moms and their children. Mm-hmm. Basically, though, to kind of sum it up. I help moms to find root cause issues of their fatigue or lack of energy. Because if I had a dollar for every time I asked the mom, like, what's your biggest health complaint? I mean, everyone, no matter what else you have, they all say fatigue and they're Mm -hmm. all walking around like zombies, right? Is fatigue normal in young motherhood? Like, in early motherhood sure you're not sleeping through the night like I can Mm -hmm. totally relate I can totally understand but if I had not told you that I was woken up five to seven times last night by my youngest you probably wouldn't know because Mm -hmm. I'm able to have a conversation I am Fairly energetic, you know, like because there are ways to mitigate that fatigue to still be able to have the energy to enjoy early motherhood. I feel like so many moms think you have to just have a coffee IV and like Mm -hmm. zombie through early motherhood and just get through it. And you don't, you don't have to just survive through early motherhood. You can actually thrive through early motherhood. So I have a course called Surviving to Thriving in Motherhood. And then I just launched my first beta group for mom genes wellness program where I do. Uh So I do offer genetic testing that coincides with hair tissue mineral analysis, because I do think everything needs to be personalized and tailored to you, but there are some basic physiological biological principles of such as like minerals run everything. A lot of people think hormones run everything. And then they say, well, enzymes run the hormones. So enzymes run in everything, but then what even makes the enzymes and what makes the enzymatic processes run? Well, minerals. Well, how do we know what your mineral status is? Well, we do a hair tissue mineral analysis to see where your mineral status is. But then I also put genetics in there because I've discovered that a lot of moms have like potassium deficiency, but I have several clients who genetically have a higher need for potassium because Mm -hmm. genetically they may not process and absorb potassium like another mom. So that's why some moms like who are downing coconut water and Mm -hmm. adrenal cocktails and, you know, whatever high potassium foods and still not moving their potassium on their HTMA or still not feeling better. Like one thing could be you genetically have a higher need for potassium than the average person. So instead of that normal, like 4,500 to 4,700 milligrams of potassium, You could genetically need, have a predisposition for a higher need for potassium because for some reason in your genetic pathway that, you know, works to absorb and process and utilize potassium, you might have a genetic SNP that affects that, that negatively affects that. And so you might have a higher need. So that's why in my group program, it's actually a group one-on-one hybrid program. And like I said, I just am in the middle of my first run through it. So I should be launching Mm -hmm. that again in the fall. I want it to have a one-on-one private coaching feel. So there's a lot of one-on-one pieces of it, but still has group calls. So it's very cool. I'm very excited about it, but still very much as you know, when you launch something new, there's still a lot Mm -hmm. of kinks to work out. And I'm very excited to relaunch it with even the things I've already learned two months in. So anyway, that's kind of what I do right now. Uh, It's very, very, very part time, but that's the season I'm in and I'm, I am just enjoying it. And one day I know I'll have so many hours in the day to do whatever health coaching I want to do, like that. I won't even know like what to do with myself. (laughs) Yeah
0: yeah that's that's a good way to think about it I have been kind of reckoning with my own schedule in the mm-hmm. past few months because kind of what was working isn't working now mm-hmm. that we you know my oldest is nine my middle is about to turn six it's like they have bigger school needs and when you choose mm-hmm. to homeschool right you're choosing to do something during working hours that right you know it, and so I just love talking to other moms who are kind of trying to balance this too. I'm curious if you have an answer to this, how do you navigate working from home without burning out?
1: Yeah. So in the beginning, I was, when I, when I had the older two on a consistent nap time and bedtime Mm -hmm. schedule, I was, I was working, I was using nap time and two hours after bedtime, to mm-hmm. start my business and really get it going so you know I was doing coaching sessions at like eight and nine o'clock at night I was mm-hmm. doing my you know in my business stuff admin stuff in the middle of the day instead of relaxing on the couch instead of reading mm-hmm. a book like I was choosing to kind of to work and so for some people you might not have the energy you know the capacity to do that and that's that's okay but for me it was really important to, be very efficient Mm -hmm. with the little time I had. So what I discovered is I needed to make a list of my income producing activities, my IPAs. Mm -hmm. So what do I need to do on a daily basis, on a weekly basis and on a monthly basis to ensure that I am getting income. How can I create within my business, passive income streams, as well as those active income streams. So passive being, I don't have to trade hours for dollars. So like affiliate links and codes and organizing those and things Mm -hmm. like that, as well as the active, like trading my coaching hours for dollars and having, and how can I figure out how to have a good balance of those? Because in motherhood, month to month, week to week, day to day is going to look different um, a lot of times when you choose to homeschool. And so there will be some weeks where like two weeks ago, I was able to get out of the house for a couple hours, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Mm. So I got a lot done that week. I feel like the first thing that moms need to understand is prioritizing. So I actually personally don't like I believe in work-life balance. Yeah. yeah. I believe in yeah, work-life prioritization. So mm-hmm. at some point, you can only have one priority, right? So at some mm-hmm. point your business is going to become a higher priority than your kids, not mm-hmm. for a season. I just mean even an hour in a day, like at one point you're going to choose because you have childcare to go to a coffee shop and work for two hours. And at that moment, your priority is your business, not your children, the someone else, you know, someone else is making your children, their priority for that time frame. Mm-hmm. And, you know, other times, your kids will be the priority and your business is on the back burner you are not mm-hmm. looking at your phone you're not responding to client emails you are focused on whatever you need to do for your children for your home for your family and so that was that was interesting so i transition right into different mm-hmm. modes and i feel like that's more important than when i was trying to do this whole work life balance that people talk about it was a juggling act and mm-hmm. it got really confusing it got really frustrating because i thought that i needed more time for business than my kids and my kids kept interrupting business time and business mm-hmm. time kept interrupting kid time because it all just coincided and i was just juggling it all and that is that is not a way to live i mm-hmm. 10 out of 10 do not recommend <laughs> you know yeah. and so i also have been really trying to instill this lifestyle the last year that Everything I do, the priority for me is how can I do what I was created to do, which is worship the Lord through what I'm doing. Hmm. So as a mother, how am I worshiping the Lord? As a practitioner, how am I doing it to worship the Lord? And I can tell you when I am giving my kids the attention that, you know, for whatever they need. Answering a client email while staring at my, so staring at my phone while trying to talk to my kids is not glorifying, you know, mm-hmm. to God, because I am splitting my attention. I am ignoring something. I am, be, I am not giving my full, my best to my client and I'm not giving my full and my best to my children. So trying to like, you know, do things all at once and that that's not a thing I recommend mm-hmm. for people to do. And so my highest priority is to do everything, everything that I do worships the Lord. And brings mm-hmm. glory to him. And when I look at it through that perspective and that lens, I am able to, okay, so how can I do this as a mother right now? How can I do this as a wife right now? How can, how can I do this as a health practitioner, a friend, just a woman living life? Like, mm-hmm. how can I rest you know, right now, because I feel like too, that's something that's looked down upon. And hopefully we're seeing an uptick in resting and that it's a good thing Mm -hmm. and encouraging people to rest. But like we do, we need rest. And that is a, it's not only okay. It is a good and necessary thing. Like the God of the universe who fun fact does not need to ever rest because Mm -hmm. he has endless amounts of energy, like Mm -hmm. exemplified rest for us in Genesis, right? When he created the world, there were six days that he created things. And on the seventh day, he rested. Did he need to rest? No, he chose to set the precedent, set the example for us that rest is so important that the God of the universe who doesn't need to rest is going to exemplify it for you. So that's a really, really huge piece for me. And so all that to say, I don't believe in balancing or juggling. I just believe in prioritization and have your set like this is where men do it really well compartmentalizing and I feel like women we kind of are more like spaghetti in our brains and it all intertwines mm-hmm. and I feel like yeah. we need to kind of you know take that on a little bit more compartmentalizing because when I am mother I just want to be mother. Like when I am businesswoman I just want to be mompreneur businesswoman and it may and that has made our life so much easier to be able to have those different compartmentalizations. And that doesn't mean like I'm never answering emails whenever I'm home with my kids. There are mm-hmm. times when we have like <clears throat> independent playtime, So they're all playing at their train table with their trains and my desk is in the playroom. So I'll sit at my desk, I'll put on background music, they're independent playing and I'm just answering emails. So setting those boundaries, being able to have Clear transition times of I'm now going from mompreneur to mom, you know, and understanding that it's a prioritization issue, not a how can I do this balancing act or juggling issue. It'll, it'll be a lot less confusing.
0: And I have learned that the hard way late, lately because, like we've been saying this whole time, you become a different mother every time you have a kid. You know, it doesn't yes. matter how many kids you've had your life requires something different of you when you add to your family and yeah things that were working like the nap time the evenings like suddenly we're not working with my third and I think when you say rest so first of all teaching from rest have you read that book
1: I have not. Just, no. Okay, just add it to the top
0: of your homeschooling stack. Yes. So many people told me to read it and I was like, okay, okay, okay. And I just read it last year and we just finished our third year of homeschooling. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they were all right. I should have just read it
1: <laughs> from the beginning. Okay, to the top it's, of my list. Yes, goes. it's
0: by Sarah McKenzie and it's a short read. One of her things, uh, I think I've said this in other podcast episodes, but there's time enough in the day for everything that God has called you to do. And yes. so when I would get to the end of my day and be like, I didn't do all of these things on my work to do list, like, A, yes, maybe something needs to change, but be like, that's might not be what I need to be doing right now. Right. And yeah. yeah, that's hard. So with rest, I think there is, there's a place where you might be in a season where you have a tiny one, you have one who's really not sleeping. You don't have help during the day. You're like rest. Yes. I'm all for rest. And you don't have any windows for rest. you're like I would love to have rest and you're not getting it and that is a a unique frustration but then I think there are also seasons in which we could rest and we're choosing to not rest and kind of being our own worst enemies and that's kind of what I'm coming out of right now like this week during rest time with the exception of today I've been reading a book in bed Mm -hmm. during rest time and I'm like
1: Oh, no wonder I was so burnt out. I haven't done this in like two years, you right. know? Right, <laughs> so, right. And, and yeah. at some point, too, I feel like a lot of mothers in business will understand this. At some point, too, you get to many transition periods in your business, right? And yeah. most of the transition periods are really hard. You'll know it's a transition yes. <laughs> period. You'll know it's a transition period because you'll want to quit. You'll say, all right, this is my time to just close up shop and it's clearly out of business. We're done, you know, because it's a very, it's a time when you're about to grow in some way in business. And those are the times to not quit and to push through and figure it out. And I just went through this transition period where I finally hired a, my mommy's little helper. So like a tween aged girl, you know, to come and help just kind of watch my kids for two hours Mm -hmm. a week. It's just two hours a week, you know, and I can get stuff done and she's now transitioned into teenage years. So she is now like my babysitter. So she comes for two hours and I go to the coffee shop across the street and I get two hours worth of work done, but it's took me a long time. I've been in business for like four years at this point, coming up Mm -hmm. on four years And I just now decided, you know what, I am at this tipping point where Mm -hmm. I can make more money and help more people and just get what I need to get done. What I feel I'm being called to do in this business Mm -hmm. space, if I can just let go of some of my profits to pay for this babysitter so that I can then in turn make make more for my business to just keep progressing as I need to progress, right? And so that was my transition. I've had a lot of different transitions that it's not always surrounding money or profit. Sometimes it's surrounding do you need to hire somebody? Like I just went through another transition last year with expanding to having an intern, and I need a new one actually, because <laughs> she is now running her own business. yeah, But all to say, like, You know, you, you have these different transition periods and they are very Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. They are very hard. You normally have to let go of something. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes you just need to push through it and be willing to just let go a little bit of something so that you can get more in return, whether that is more time, whether that is more, you know, and that's also a good lesson in motherhood, right? There are times where guess what? You don't need to be with your children 100% Mm -hmm. of the minutes of the hours Mm -hmm. of the days of the week and you can accept help because like it or not, or believe it or not. And I was alone in Delaware. Like I did not have my parents. I did not have my in-laws. I did not have cousins, sisters, brothers, nobody to help watch my kids. But I went to a church. I had a church community and it took me like two years to learn. Oh, some of these like grandma aged women, like want to help just come over even like even if I don't leave they want to come like sit with me and chat and like Mm -hmm. help mitigate the children so that I can like sit on the couch and enjoy Mm -hmm. my coffee while they play on the floor with my kids like Mm -hmm. but a lot of times I even have friends like this they have trouble trusting other people with their children and have trouble letting go but at the same turn they complain about oh I never get a break from my kids or you know Mm -hmm. which you know, the Bible has a lot to say about complaining and things like that, but still, you know, it's just like, well, you have to give somewhere, right? You either have Mm -hmm. to enjoy being around your children a hundred percent of a hundred percent of every minute of every day of every week, or you have to let go a little bit and let someone else watch your children for an hour while you go take a nap or while Mm -hmm. you go, you know, to a coffee shop or lunch with a friend and So sometimes, like you said, it's not even a lack of opportunity to rest or to just breathe. It's a, I'm not willing to let go of control of my children or let go Mm -hmm. of something else in order to have that breathing room or that rest or that break.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of like codependency work in there. And I don't use that Mm -hmm. term lightly because that's something I have very actively worked on in counseling, but I I kind of did feel like that with my first and I still even feel like that a little bit to an extent. Now we do live by family now. And my mom has been like, let me just take your youngest overnight. And I'm like, but I'm not going to sleep anyways because I'm going to be wondering if he's
1: sleeping. <laughs> you right, know, there, there are some boundaries still. Like, yeah. You know, I'm not saying just yeah. let your kids go. No. You know, like, yeah. But definitely, still some boundaries. It it is that hard. Now that is a balance, right? Of understanding, mm-hmm. like how, how far can you go before it is just like, you're just offloading children when you probably shouldn't be, you know, like offloading responsibilities. But, you know, I, like I said, I had to work on in business letting go of some things to mm-hmm. then gain more same thing with my kids i had to learn to let go a little bit so that they could gain experiences that maybe i couldn't mm-hmm. give them or i could gain some rest and they could you know have a rested mother <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know yeah. stuff like that it is definitely a a growing early motherhood is definitely a huge growing season not just because your kids are growing but you also are growing not Mm -hmm. only as a mother but as a person and having to learn those life skills of letting go gaining how to you know trust and set boundaries but also like setting boundaries and letting go at the same time yeah (laughs) and trusting your own intuition and it takes
0: practice right because sometimes you are like I you know did that and it didn't save me any grief you know so next time that's not going to be the thing that I give up you know maybe right I've talked about this on the sleep podcast episode that we have but maybe it is worth finding somebody who can clean your house for like 20 Mm dollars an hour and you say Mm -hmm. I just need two hours one day a month you know Yep. yep and take those kind of things off your plate too because Some moms really actually don't want to be away from their kids at all, you know, and this kind of segues though, into also this Christian health space (laughs) that we live in. I think that there are a lot of conflicting messages out there and (laughs) I don't think you even really even realize what's coming at you Mm -hmm. until you sit back and think about it. Because there are people who are like, you should only stay home with your kids and you know, not work and et cetera, et cetera, but, but, you know, they're on Instagram saying this, so clearly there's some
1: sort of <laughs> you're, uh, work you're involved else, like... in this
0: platform, <laughs> Yeah. you know, but then it, then it leaves kind of the average mom at home feeling like, well, do I work or do I not, and this idea of a side gig is, I don't want to say, maybe not as magical as it sounds, you know, I think it's easy to think like, okay I would stay home with my kids and work from home and it's so complex clearly sure. you know <laughs> sure. there's not a direct answer here but I am curious so uh, you know we are both in this health space this healthy living space crunchy space um, <laughs> how do you feel about homeopathy how do you feel yeah. about German new medicine and, and I know this is a whole different podcast episode but I'm just curious <laughs> yeah and <laughs> we don't have to go through things point sure. by point but I am curious like how do you bring the nuance into this discussion? I guess it's the bigger question because Mm -hmm. we are Christians. There are certain tenets of healthy living that exist. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) And then there's a lot of
0: gray area. Right. So how do you navigate this?
1: Yeah, it is hard because I think one of the biggest voices in health and wellness right now is like the new age perspective, Mm -hmm. like that we need to become one with the universe and meet Mm. our higher selves and attain that higher self and just consult your inner physician and all that you need to heal is within you and You know, Mm -hmm. all that. And it's just like, actually, if all that I needed was within me, then there would be no need for Jesus (laughs) or like anything involving my faith. Yeah. Well, and uh, even
0: the concept of complete healing, you know, it's like, oh, I've been doing this work for X number of years. Why am I not better? Right. And that can be crazy making too.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I actually summarized a lot of my thoughts as best as you can, right? In an Instagram caption in the slides Mm -hmm. in one of my posts. But essentially, it gets, in my opinion, just like the Bible teaches about the heart and the heart attitudes. I think it gets down to what is your heart attitude towards things. And not this is not a saying of like a Disney princess of just follow your heart because the heart is deceitful, right? The Bible tells us that. So it, I'm not saying follow your heart. I am saying when you a, approach a certain therapy, a certain healing modality, what are you hoping to get out of it are you hoping this will heal you because i am going to tell you right now like god can use what you know whatever therapy or healing modality he wants or prayer or whatever he wants to use to heal you if it is in his will for you to be healed on this earth all of us as christians as true believers of jesus christ who will be in heaven one day in it for eternity will have complete healing. Some of us will feel healing on this earth. Some of us won't until we get to heaven.
0: But I think this is a form of prosperity gospel, yeah. honestly. When yeah. when you're like, if I pray hard enough and believe hard yes. enough, and X, Y, and Z, and then you know, then you receive shame, even if it's indirect and subtle. Like mm-hmm. if your faith is too come, little, that's why you're not healed. Yeah, heal yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: And so a lot of people were asking me, let me try to summarize this. So a lot of people try to ask me or were asking me about origins, like specifically about homeopathy. Let's use for an example, like the origins, you know, were not great. Well, number one, we probably will never know fully what the exact origin of something was because it could have started in so many different places in the world before there was electronic communication and no one would really know you know so origins number one for just not really actually knowing the true source i don't think we'll really ever know the true source of most things as far as an earthly source right that comes into my second point the bible teaches us that god is the ultimate authority and every authority given on earth is from god or allowed by god so the ideas for a lot of these healing modalities are not outside of God's control. People can twist them, right? That's what Satan does. He twists words, he takes seeds of truth and hides them in webs of lies. Like, so it's not that just because someone says craniosacral therapy and somatoemotional release therapy are new agey because people want you to connect to the cosmos and your inner physician. It's just like, okay, well, that's their interpretation and twisting of something. But guess what? We still are emotional beings. Like That is a fact. And I feel like that's where a lot of Christians stop with their healing. They only focus on physical things but if you want to go back and talk about origins, well, where did the, where did pharmaceuticals come from? Where do you think the yes. logo for pharmacy came from? Like where, where, medicine- where did Western
0: medicine come from? Come from? Yeah. Like if,
1: then, but they so heavily believe in Western medicine, but mm-hmm. it's just like, no one wants to talk about Okay. So if you care so much about origins, well, then you shouldn't be using anything from Western medicine or your Mm -hmm. cholesterol drugs or your blood Mm -hmm. pressure medication, you know, things like that. If you care so much about origins, but even Paul talks about the meat that was used to sacrifice to idols. I believe it's in first Corinthians that you can eat that meat because it doesn't matter what these people intended for that meat god created the meat you do not worship the idols that they worship so meat is just meat it's not (laughs) Mm -hmm. a sacrifice or or form or an act of worship when you eat that meat that was originally used to worship an idol but if it causes your brother to stumble then just forego it. And it's not that you are foregoing it because you have a, an actual conviction against something. So for example, alcoholism with my husband's job, he has a lot of friends with, that are veterans, that, you know, Leo's, they all, that that's an, that is an issue in the mm-hmm. law enforcement community, alcoholism. Now, does my husband have an issue with alcohol? Praise the Lord, he does not. But when his friends come over that he knows struggled with alcoholism years ago and thankful like thankfully they're you know recovered from it at this point he puts his alcohol away it's not because he thinks oh they're going to steal some or they're going to get out of control like no he's doing it out of a care for others so for me how that relates to the health and wellness space do i believe like we shouldn't be doing yoga because it originated like all the positions are a way to worship different hindu gods and whatever No, to me, it's it's a form of stretching. It all depends on what you're doing. Like, I know some people who pray while they just stretch to Mm -hmm. in yoga and they don't go to like a class where it's guided meditations while you hold these poses and things like, you know, again, all about intention, all about how you're using it, using it. So for me, if I had a friend who just like was rescued, basically was saved from like the new age world or Hinduism or some kind of spirituality like that, I would not invite them to a yoga (laughs) class, like, because Mm -hmm. that could be inviting them to go back to how to connect to the cosmos or, you know, whatever false God, someone wants (laughs) to tell me to connect to, Mm -hmm. you know, because that would be a potential stumbling block for them. And so I think it's all about where your heart intention, your attitude is. And ultimately, are you trusting that homeopathy? Are you trusting that certain therapy to be the thing that will heal you? Because I will tell you right now, it will not. If you trust in the Lord as the ultimate healer and hope that he uses that modality to bring healing, bring some relief you know but ultimately lord your will be done right jesus exemplified this for us right before he died on the cross in his prayers in gethsemane like lord please allow this pass to cup like this cup to pass from me like i don't want to you know go die on the cross to the point of he was sweating blood because he was so stressed over what he knew was coming and what he knew he was going to be going through but lord your will be done. And I feel like that's where we kind we leave that off a lot of times. Like, Lord, please just heal me from this. But then we forget the Lord, your will be done ultimately and I will have a holy response to whatever the circumstance is. And, you know, and instead of looking at it as count it all joy my brethren when you go through trials, like we look at health and or or lack of health, you know, as A horrible thing that we need to focus on all the negatives and it's horrible. And it is horrible, right? Mm -hmm. We don't like feeling bad and it can be debilitating. I am not discrediting that and just saying, smile your way through it, you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Like, think positive thoughts, you know, and you'll fly to Neverland. Like, no, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that there is a perspective that we can have. And I can say this as someone who has recently gone through quite a few different trials, including Mm -hmm. my health, my child's health my husband's circumstance, like lots of different things. And there is a perspective of why is this being, why am I allowed to go through this right now? Why am I being allowed to go through this health trial? What is the Lord trying to teach me? How is he trying to grow me? And when you're seeking different healing modalities, are you seeking them out of desperation because you trust something man-made more than you trust the Lord Or are you trusting the Lord and through prayerful consideration, wise counsel, you you think this might be a good idea, you know, that the Lord has given us graciously so many different healing modalities. So that's kind of like where I like, what are your intentions? Who are you trusting or what are you trusting? And are you caring for others when you're introducing different healing modalities or, you know, trying to help a friend or heal yourself with a friend? So yeah, as I, feel I think, like- yeah, I think those are great points. And I appreciate
0: that even what you said at the end there about this decision, is it out of desperation or, mm-hmm. because I've been there, right? Yeah. Most of us have yes. been there. And like you said, we're not glossing over something. I don't want something and it's hard. It is hard. This is something that I struggle with repeatedly when I'm in a hard season. It's I think, why did God allow this yes. to happen to me? Yes. You know, I, I call myself like a recovering good girl, right? I
1: expect <laughs>
0: Even right. just my husband and I were just having an argument about the stupid lawn company that most of the people's house across the street. They always block our driveway. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it is illegal to block my driveway. <laughs> and my husband's <laughs> like, you've got to calm down. <laughs> I expect the world to treat me in the way that I treat the world,
1: right. you know. And
0: I expect if I'm courteous to other people, they will be courteous to me. I expect if I take care of my body in this way, it's going to cooperate in this yes. way. And it is consistently disappointing to me when it does yes. not. <laughs> and right. so I've been there, right? Where you're like just desperate. You're like I I don't care. I'm grasping all the straws. I'm going to throw everything at it and see what puts out the fire. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that probably for multiple reasons that doesn't work. Right. Right. But discernment is like a lost art. There's an art of discernment. The thing is not the thing, right. There's always another layer. Right. So, right. and with all of these modalities, you're going to find craniosacral therapy providers that are way out there.
1: Oh yeah. I've been to one. And <laughs> okay. I I walked in and I was like, you know, and, and yeah. <laughs> you, do, you really do need to pray for a discernment because as I yeah. was talking with this practitioner, this lady, whatever she was, she was like, oh, yes, and God, this or that. And I'm mm-hmm. like sitting there going, what God are you talking about? Because we mm-hmm. are not talking about the same God. I can tell you that right now. One of the biggest points that I also feel like people get wrong, especially in the Christian space, is they group spiritual health and emotional health. And Mm -hmm. they muddle that because Mm -hmm. in the new age world, right? Like that that spirituality and emotions like are all kind of muddled, but they are entirely different spiritual health. I will never, ever, ever seek some health gurus help in my first for my spiritual health that is Mm -hmm. with me and God, his word, prayer, seeking Mm -hmm. wise counsel within my church. Like that is where I will grow spiritually and have spiritual health. My emotional health, though, like I feel like a lot of people in the church don't address emotions because Mm -hmm. emotions are lack of self-control and they are selfish. And when it's that is not true at all, like, I'm sorry, did you forget to read the part in the Bible where Jesus overturned tables (laughs) because people Mm -hmm. were selling in the temple like and and, you know, disrespecting the house of the Lord? Uh, He had emotions and they are not wrong or they are not a a sinful thing acting upon those emotions in a sinful way. Sure. Absolutely. But emotions in and of themselves are not a lack of self-control. They are not a sin issue. It is not a sin to have emotions or to deal with emotional health and dealing with emotional health. And emotional shocks, like, it, like they talk about in German New Medicine, which I'm learning about and really enjoying learning about and trying to implement some of its principles, you know, like dealing with emotional shocks and trying to process through emotional traumas, through negative emotional experiences, that is not a problem, especially when you are not trying to muddle it or confuse it with spiritual health and that's where I think a lot of Christians get really nervous around talking about emotions or trauma or whatever is a lot of the new agey people do say I'm helping you with your spiritual and emotional mental health and like just kind of group it all and it's just like it is not It is, they are all very different. And I do not want your help with my spiritual health. I just want to be Mm -hmm. able to process through emotions. Um, Mm -hmm. And so just please anyone listening, know that emotional health is very, very different than spiritual health. And as far as for me as a practitioner, I address emotions, I address emotional health, and I made it, make it clear to my clients from the get-go, whether they are Christians or not, that I am not here as a spiritual guide or mm-hmm. I am not here to address your spirituality. I am just here to address how your emotions are physiologically leading to physical symptoms, because that mm-hmm. is actually like a proven science that we can see how it works in the body and manifests from emotional to physical symptoms. And and I always am careful to use manifest because again, well, yeah. age people and I use that very differently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but but truly, just the meaning of manifest, like emotional. Issues and shocks and and holding on to negative unprocessed emotions can lead to a lot of physical symptoms. And resolving those issues can resolve a lot of physical symptoms without changing anything in your physical diet lifestyle. Now, are all of those things important? Supplements and nutrition and life, yes, but sometimes I feel like a lot of people have that missing piece because they're so like deathly afraid of emotions being a sinful like issue. Mm-hmm. and it's just yeah. not
0: <laughs> and that that's a great point I've even realized that just having moved and trying to find a new counselor and like you know sometimes finding a trauma-informed counselor that you jive well with-
1: mm-hmm.
0: is be careful how I say this but like more important than finding somebody who advertises themselves as a Christian counselor yeah
1: sure because
0: you're like just like you're saying I don't know I if in this certain circumstance, I'm not looking for my counselor to bring me closer to God, right? That is more of a spiritual director or something. And it's not bad to go to a counselor who's helping you work through your emotional and mental issues. Especially Um, if
1: they can respect your boundary of, I'm not here to discuss spiritual things. I just need help working through these emotional issues. If, if a practitioner Mm -hmm. can respect those boundaries and just stick to emotional health, absolutely. Mm -hmm. They don't have to be a Christian because like, if they can just do that and separate themselves, separate the entities that are your spiritual health and your emotional health, Mm -hmm. because they are different. Then great. They they don't have. I don't have to work with all Christian people. It's just Mm -hmm. when we get into things like like that. cranio Again, I don't want to call her craniosacral (laughs) therapist. But when I get in like with her, with that Mm -hmm. lady, she could not separate her spirituality Mm -hmm. from her energy work from her craniosacral. So that was not a good fit for us because I was not about to put my child in a place that I felt was spiritually dangerous because I do believe we are constantly in spiritual warfare, right? Like all around us. Mm -hmm. And and I feel that's very, very real. And I am not going to put my child in a place where someone is working with energy that is not of God. I do think that's Mm -hmm. a real thing. And, but like you said, going to a counselor to work through, like talk through unprocessed emotions or emotional traumas, like, no, if they can Mm -hmm. separate themselves, then from like and not bring their spirituality or your spirituality into it great no problem mm-hmm. like sometimes exactly that is what you need more so than just someone promoting themselves as a christian counselor exactly i totally agree yeah
0: yeah and and i think those are again this is the work of matrescence, right like becoming a mom mm-hmm. and the concept of becoming like a mama bear for yourself as well right, right? it's like we learn, we grow, we learn when to pay attention to the red flags, we learn right. when to push, when to pull back, and it takes a lot of practice. A lot, yes. So <laughs> so what encouragement do you have for the mom listening who's really struggling with, my initial question had been work-life balance, but really with any of the things that we talked about, like yeah. the the, the push and the pull and the who do I listen to and the what information is valid and what information is not. There's a lot, of, again, a lot of noise.
1: Right, right, absolutely. I, it's it's so hard for me sometimes to answer questions like this when I think about the mother who doesn't trust in the Lord, who is not a Christian, because I I don't know, like, Okay so you're supposed to trust yourself like and rely on yourself like for everything and like and and like you forge your own destiny kind of a thing i when when i hear that or when i think about like a mother who that's what she relies on as her mindset and as like you know a, a, the way to live her life i get scared because if i think i think of if that were me and that's like i did not have my trust in the lord and that he's ultimately in control like I'm like, Oh my gosh, like we would all be dead. Like my whole family, like we would would just all be dead at this point. Like I cannot trust myself like to know everything or to, you know, like, so all that to say, I highly encourage anybody who's not a Christian to at least look into it, ask the questions, like shoot me a message, like challenge me. I love when people challenge me on Mm -hmm. things of faith and, and why, I put my trust in the Lord versus like in myself because, you know, it it not only solidifies what I believe, but I would love to help someone else, help another mother who's maybe struggling emotionally, mentally, not even just Mm -hmm. in survival mode, but like literally not even surviving early motherhood because I don't know how I could have done or continue to do early motherhood without my trust in the Lord, without my faith. So that's number one. I think, you know, wrestle with that if you need to. I think it's so important. But also, try not to deny help. If help is extended Mm. to you, Mm -hmm. please accept it. Like that Mm -hmm. is something that I was so bad about because I just, oh my gosh, I don't want to be a burden to you. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't for me, it wasn't even a trust issue of, I don't trust however you're going to put my dishes in the dishwasher, or I don't trust Mm. how you're going to, you know, put away laundry or something. It was more of a, I don't want to be a burden to you. I don't want you to have to like waste your time coming to help me. But like, guys you are robbing people of the joy of being a blessing to you like it or Mm -hmm. not believe it or not people actually it makes them happy to help people sometimes and so you are actually if you want to look outside yourselves like you are robbing people the joy of being a blessing to you when you don't accept their help or even Mm -hmm. when you don't ask for their help because guess what Thankfully, lots of people have pretty good boundaries and will tell you no if they cannot come over and help you today. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been told no many times because, and not like I'm upset about that. Don't be afraid to ask because, and and people will tell you no if they can't. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it really does bring people joy to be able to bless others and just allow them. You might be in a season where you are the blessed (laughs) because so many Mm -hmm. people are helping you and there will be a season where you are able to be the blessing and help other people. And, but you, but you need to be allowing yourself to be blessed and to be helped in order to get to the season and have the energy to survive, to get to Mm the season where you can then go and help others. So Mm -hmm. I always like to kind of put it in that perspective versus just accept the help okay, thanks. But like, how do I do that? Well, think Mm -hmm. about them actually being able to have the joy of being a blessing to you Mm -hmm. because I know that makes me happy when I'm able to do that.
0: Yeah, I, I will plus one that take people at their word if they are willing mm-hmm. to, if they're offering something very specific, don't mm-hmm. shrug it off because yes. it takes an effort to offer something specific, you know, yes. <laughs> and not just like, let me know if you need anything that's different. But right. Yeah. And when you're asking for help, yeah, like you said, expect people to say no. I know that when I first finally started asking for help, I was so discouraged that I was getting a lot of no's. And I mean, you just keep asking.
1: Right. Exactly. And at some point someone will say, Oh yeah, I can do that. You know, mm-hmm. and, and exact. And, and then also, even if they say no, they may, Oh, but I know so-and-so mm-hmm. who has, you know, does that. Or like for another example, my mother-in-law, I, I mentioned earlier meal trains and stuff. She mm-hmm. doesn't really make meals for people, but she always offers when you need when at some point in your postpartum time, you need a babysitter, you call me first. Yeah, Like that is what she offers specifically. And it is, it takes thought and effort to come up with a specific thing that you can serve someone else with or offer somebody. And so, yeah, definitely don't miss those moments or pass Mm -hmm. those moments. Like definitely accept the help, especially if it's specific help. Yes.
0: Yeah. I love that. So it is, we kind of talked about this at the beginning. So we're coming full circle. Like it's easy yeah. to focus on what we did wrong or what we should have known or what we would have done differently. So I want to ask you like right now, what is something that's working really well for you in motherhood, work, whatever it is?
1: Yeah. So something that I struggle Have struggled with and really wrestled with is complaining. Mm -hmm. I call myself a recovering complainer because it was just, it's just so much easier Mm -hmm. to be in a victim mentality mindset, you know, and to complain about things than it is to choose to fix things or choose to have a different perspective of things, right? It's just easier to complain about stuff. And then everything's happening to you, right? When you complain versus, you actually sometimes making choices that have negative consequences. So anyways, not only working on myself and my health or my mindset and my perspective shift to not complaining, but seeing that in that change in my children. So hmm. for an example, instead of like, if I had a load of dishes, like overflowing, that is my one chore that I truly loathe. <laughs> I used to like look at the sink and be like, oh my gosh, like yet another load of dishes. I've already done two loads today and I still have probably two more loads to do before I go to bed tonight. Like, this is just insane. Like, oh my goodness, I hate this, you know, whatever. That would be totally natural for me to say because I just loved complaining because it just made me feel mm-hmm. better to quote unquote vent. Mm-hmm. And Even if it was to no one, but but (laughs) I noticed my children were hearing everything I was saying, even Mm -hmm. if I wasn't speaking to them. And I, especially my oldest, I noticed a few months ago him complaining about every little thing and how Mm -hmm. much that annoyed me. And I was like, why am I letting this annoy (laughs) me so much? You know, not more, not even just like the fact that he was whining and we really shouldn't be whining and complaining, but it also was just driving me insane. I realized it's because I do it so much. And I know it's wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, do all things without grumbling. I feel like Philippians is very, very clear, like, on that we should not be complaining. And and so I started, instead of looking at the dishes, I I started, Lord, please help me to have your eyes see my children how you see them, because He sees them with unconditional love, right? Mm -hmm. And and, an unending amount of patience. And He sees the dishes in a different perspective instead of me going, oh my gosh, there's so many dishes wow, how amazing it is like that. I have the skill, the time at home and the, like just ability the the resources to make so many homemade food items, so mm-hmm. many homemade meals that yes, result in an obscene amount of dishes to do, but we have so much food, so much nourishment, so much nutrient dense food for my children, for myself. Like, thank you, Lord praise Jesus for all of these, you know, resources to be able to do this all the time to be able to do this with my children. And so I started noticing one, I was just often feeling lighter throughout the day, like, and Mm -hmm. as things happened, as things come up, because especially having three boys, Lots of dirty things come up, lots of messes (laughs) happen. Like, that's with kids. But for some Mm -hmm. reason, boys are so prone to Mm -hmm. messes, stains, whatever, (laughs) accidents. As things kept coming up throughout the day, I noticed as I was shifting my perspective from a negative perspective to a grateful perspective, that I was like reacting better. Like, yes, natural reactions versus Mm -hmm. intentional responses. But even my natural reactions were becoming lighter we're like oh well you know mommy has spilled milk before it's okay like we'll clean it up let me show you how to clean this up instead Mm of several months ago I would have been like I told you to be careful when I gave you that like I told you it could spill if you put it here you put it here and then you knocked it over see what happens when you don't listen to mommy like okay is it correct he didn't listen to mommy Mm -hmm. and therefore the milk spilled yes Mm -hmm. but would I say that to a friend who came over and spilled her drink on my counter. Mm -hmm. No, I would never even dream of yelling at my friend about some spilled drink. So Mm -hmm. why would I do that to my child who is also more accident prone because they are a child, you know, Mm -hmm. no, let's teach you how to clean it up or let me clean that for you. It's okay. I'll get you a new cup. Now are, does that, you know, apply to every single thing? No, there are some things they just disobey and then negative consequences happen and we deal Mm -hmm. with those, but I'm able to deal with those more graciously because I try to see it as a learning opportunity or again, a grateful perspective versus just, you know, getting frustrated at every little thing that happens because in motherhood, every little thing does happen. Like it just yeah. does. does. <laughs> yeah, there and, are some
0: days that you're like, is this even my life?
1: Is this like, real? Like, like where's just, the pinch that's gonna to wake like, me up? You just have to like laugh
0: or cry.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I totally have those days. And you know, you really do. You have to laugh or you cry because, you know, and so that's why I just choosing to have a grateful perspective and verbalizing it Like, you know, yes, we talk a lot about oftentimes like apologizing to your children like that. That's a very important thing to do because we mess up. We want them to see that we mess up and it's okay. And we need to apologize as adults as well. But I also want them to see me being wow, praise the Lord for, you know, that We like, oh, something that we were having fun with. We we got a Costco gift card and I actually never checked the balance. So I never knew how much was on it. Mm -hmm. But like when we'd go get gas, it was always a game of like, do we have to pay any money or is there going to be enough money on the gift card? And so Mm -hmm. every time there was enough money on the gift card, wow, praise the Lord for providing gas and we didn't have to pay for it today. Like Mm -hmm. small things. So then I've noticed even my six year old now, like something small will happen. Oh, like we were playing trouble the other night, like the little game with the pop dot, like the Die and you know, single dice, whatever it is, and then you move your pieces. Whenever you get a six, you get to repeat your turn, and that's like the highest number. Well, he got a six, he goes, Praise the Lord, I got a six, (laughs) you know, like even the tiniest thing. So, I want to try to make that my home culture, right? Set that Mm -hmm. intention for my home that here we choose to be grateful and have a grateful perspective versus, you know, looking at things as in a negative light that maybe there is a positive spin to it. And mm-hmm. it just feels like a lighter, a more stress free home. That doesn't mean stress doesn't happen here or bad things that really are truly need to be grieved or, you know, are sad or are hard don't happen. But how can we, you know, shift our perspective through those things?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, there's nothing more humbling than a kid picking up on your bad habits
1: oh my goodness yes but then what a redeeming <laughs> experience to have them pick up on your good habits too. oh
0: yes I've had some of those experiences recently the bad ones yes good one yes but then you do have the moment like with the trouble game where you're like okay I'm doing okay
1: I am actually like, doing that was my kids response right. to this yeah
0: yes so it goes both ways I love that no I love it we covered a ton of stuff so where can people find you if they want to know more
1: Yeah, right now I'm, well, I say I'm very present on Instagram. I'm very present as much as a homesteading, homeschooling, cop, wife, mother of three can be on Instagram. It changes week to week, but pay underscore loving health LLC is Mm -hmm. where I am. I respond really well to the Instagram DMs. Otherwise people can email me at support at lovinghealthfm.com or visit my website, lovinghealthfm.com. Uh, dot com. But that's where people can find me. I have some free resources on my website. I ha- I try to make a lot of educational posts on Instagram versus just purely entertainment. So a lot of people can mm-hmm. get a lot of free education resources there. And then, like I said, I'm hoping to open up a new group program group in the fall at some point. So that is where they can find me. And, and I think that's a good starting place. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today absolutely. Thank you. This was so fun. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to Milk and Motherhood today. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links to some of the things we talked about. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends or leave a review to help other people find us here. As always, you can find me on Instagram at happy.mama.healthy.baby or on the internet at happymamahealthybaby.co. See you next time.